Graham Smith. We established the Mothers Program to provide a reliable source of information about pregnancy on the internet with the goal to improve mothers' health through education, research, and screening. The Mothers Podcasts are an extension of that. Today we're going to be discussing the COVID-19 vaccine in pregnancy and breastfeeding. Our guest is Dr. Mark Walker. Dr. Walker and I have been colleagues and close friends for almost 30 years. He's a professor and the former head of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Ottawa and is currently the Interim Vice Dean of Internationalization and Global Health at the Faculty of Medicine in Ottawa. Mark, welcome and thank you for speaking with us. Thanks so much, Graham. It's a real pleasure and congratulations on the Mother's Program. So we're currently in the middle of the third wave of the COVID pandemic in Ontario and at present half the patients in the ICU at Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto are pregnant women. This wave has been bigger than any of the other waves. We didn't see these numbers of pregnant women in the ICUs in the first two waves. What's different this time? I think the the big difference is the variants of concern. They're much more contagious and much more virulent for pregnant women. Uh, We saw this data come out of the UK three months ago, and now we're seeing that, that wave here. So in the first wave, we had a handful of patients in the ICU who were moderately sick. In this third wave, we're led by the variants of concern. We've seen more pregnant women in ICU than any period of time in the history of healthcare in Ontario. So we know based on Canadian and international data that pregnant women who get infected with COVID are at increased risk of COVID complications, hospitalization, ICU admission, and intubation, as well as certain pregnancy complications like preterm birth, perhaps stillbirth, though they likely have to be very sick before that would happen. But when the vaccine rollout first started, the Canadian National Advisory Committee on Immunization recommended that the COVID vaccine not be routinely offered to individuals who are pregnant or breastfeeding. But now, pregnant women are being prioritized for the vaccine in different provinces, including Ontario. What changed? Well, I think the knowledge, COVID didn't exist 15, 16 months ago, and uh, we've been gaining knowledge very quickly. What changed was, number one, that feel that the vaccines have no harm in pregnancy. Now that we know that pregnant women are definitely getting sicker, so there's a threefold increase in admission to hospital with COVID compared to age match controls, a threefold increase in ICU admissions. And from the American data, there's also a twofold increase in death. So the benefits of the vaccine are tremendous uh, with little to no risks so that the guidelines have changed in response to this. I think pregnant women were certainly hesitant when the vaccines first came out, and and rightly so. But I have patients in clinic or contacting me all the time now asking how and when they can get their shot. Many of the pregnant women early in the vaccine rollout who are interested in getting were healthcare professionals, but now it seems to be everyone. There is very little vaccine hesitancy. Thoughts? So we won't know. I mean, certainly I agree with you that the patients that we're in contact with are looking to get the vaccine. What we don't know yet at the provincial level is how many women who are pregnant are offered the vaccine and what the uptake is. And that's actually being prospectively monitored by Born Ontario, where they've linked the vaccine data to pregnancy data. And so we'll be able to look at vaccine uptake by region, by health authority, by practitioners, and then target those areas where there's a low uptake. So I think, you know, my own personal experience, I've, I've been surprised at the degree of hesitancy, yet still taking the vaccine, the benefits are, are so profound. So there's now data from both pregnant women who had COVID and recovered, 
and those that received at least one dose of the vaccine at least three weeks before delivery, showing that the COVID-specific IgG antibodies that are made by the mother's immune system are getting across the placenta and likely provide protection to the baby after delivery, similar to what happens if women get the flu shot or the whooping cough vaccine with protection for the baby lasting for about six months. But what about after breastfeeding? Do COVID-specific or vaccine-specific antibodies get into the breast milk and protect the baby, or is it more a protect the mom and you'll protect the baby? So a great question, and I think the answer is yes to both. So if a mom gets vaccinated during pregnancy, then at least two weeks before birth, then she passes on the IgG antibodies to the baby. And recent studies have shown that in the breast milk, there's IgA antibodies. So we don't know how long it will protect the baby, but I think a reasonable assumption for the passive antibodies that come through the umbilical cord from mom three to six months and breastfeeding for as as long as the mom's breastfeeding. Yeah, certainly IgA antibodies uh, normally would get into breast milk, and IgA is a mucosal antibody. And so given that this virus is being transmitted you know, across the mucosa, you know, of your nose, your throat or whatnot. Uh, I mean, it makes sense that uh, these antibodies would uh, help to prevent the baby getting the, the virus or getting sick with the virus. I understand that there are a number of large registries internationally following pregnant or breastfeeding women who've received the vaccine without demonstration of complications. Is that what you've heard or read? Yeah, everything that I've read, heard, talked to colleagues and aware of the investigator in Switzerland early in in COVID set up an international registry, all of which suggests that the benefits to vaccination for pregnancy for the newborns, as well as breastfeeding, all have proven and theoretical benefits with no risks. So I think what the point, Graham, that you made, it's so important here is that the vaccine to pregnant women is actually protecting two people, the mother from severe morbidity, but also uh, through the the transmission of antibodies through the placenta and umbilical cord, the baby for, assume, the first three to six months of life. So what about vaccine side effects? The first dose seems to be well tolerated, but the second dose seems to cause more side effects, local pain, fatigue, low-grade temperature. Anything that pregnant or breastfeeding women should do for the side effects? I think like everybody for their second dose, if particularly if you've had any reaction to the first one, is prophylactic. Tylenol can mitigate some of the fever and pain and discomfort. I have to say, after I I had my first dose, I was pretty surprised of the reaction. It wasn't so much local pain in in the arm, and it was quite fatigued for a couple of days. I've talked to some colleagues that were similar. There's four different COVID vaccines that have been approved in Canada. The two RNA vaccines, which are the Pfizer and Moderna ones, and the two adenovirus vector vaccines, which are the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson ones. Are all four being used in pregnancy? The only data we have is from states in the UK. And states right now exclusively, with the exception of some Johnson & Johnson, has been using mRNA vaccines, so Moderna and Pfizer. So they're felt to be safe. UK had recommended the mRNA vaccines exclusively for pregnancy. The Canadian group that's uh, in charge of vaccine recommendations hasn't yet spoken to the adenovirus. There's no reason to think that they couldn't be used in pregnancy, but there's no official statement. So I recognize that the recommendation for younger women is that they shouldn't receive the AstraZeneca or J&J vaccines because of the very small risk of blood clots. Can you put the risk of clots into perspective and what might be causing them? 
Yeah, so the clots, from what we've learned from the science, is it's a very rare immune response to the vaccine that's similar to something we see with the use of heparin, which is a blood thinner called heparin-induced thrombocytopenia. And essentially, what the immune response that happens after the vaccine starts to attack the coagulation factors and platelets and leads to clots as a result. But to put it in perspective, the risk of death from, from a vaccine is one in a million, and the risk of death from just being pregnant is 10 in a million. So 10 times more likely to die from just being pregnant than getting a, a vaccine. And certainly pregnancy by itself increases your chance of developing a clot, different type of clot, but developing a clot. And if you get COVID, that by itself increases your chance of getting a clot as well. Yeah, I know exactly. And you know, the risks of serious you know, health effects from COVID and particularly clotting, it, it's probably an order of magnitude of 100 times more likely than having this phenomenon with with a vaccine. It's really important to put this in perspective because the vaccines are incredibly safe. There are exceptionally rare side effects, but when you, one puts the risk into perspective, just the risk of being pregnant is much more uh, harmful than, than the vaccine. You know, what's the data on the effectiveness of the vaccines against the different variants uh, that are currently causing the problems? A great question. Uh, we have more information on some more than the others. It, the vaccines look to be equally protective against the UK strain or the B117. Less is known about the Brazilian strain, which is the, the P1. And again, less is known, although there's from the AstraZeneca some efficacy and the Johnson & Johnson against the South African strain. And I think what's important to clarify, you know, all these trials had endpoints of symptomatic COVID. Uh, what we really care about as people and practitioners is you know, admission to hospital with severe disease or death. And with the normal COVID strain, they it was 100% protective, all four. We don't have the data on the variants, but it looks like, at least with the UK strain, that it is protective very effectively. So how does the vaccine rule out for pregnant or breastfeeding uh, women going to go, do you think? I, I would suspect the local public health unit will be reaching out to the obstetricians, family doctors doing obstetrics, and the midwives to help identify or register their patients. Is that your understanding? Well, I think at the moment, and I can speak for Ontario, there's quite a bit of confusion on behalf of practitioners, confusion on behalf of public health, and confusion on the people actually doing the vaccination. I'm hopeful the next week or two, you know, as the Ministry of Health and the advice, science advisory tables review all this data, they'll come up with a, a clear plan for the rollout and distribution. What would be wonderful is if, you know, we had the, the vaccines in, in our own offices. I think that would, because of supply chain issues and what they call a cold chain with the, particularly with the Pfizer vaccine, easier to centralize it. Any thoughts on when we might expect the vaccine to come out? I know in Ontario, it's part of phase two, which, I mean, that could be anywhere between now and end of June. So we've had a lot of ongoing dialogue, public health units with the ministry itself and the, you know, as you well know, as you're a board member, the SOGC had released a, a sort of an urgent statement on the need for pregnant individuals to get the vaccine. So I suspect there's going to be change in the next week or two. But certainly we've seen that in New Brunswick that just happened. And I, I'm hopeful and optimistic that Ontario is going to follow very soon. So what about pregnant or breastfeeding women who actually had covid should they get the vaccine? And if so, after what time period? 
So again, no guidelines on this. I think most people would recommend at least one dose as they're recommending for people who've had previous COVID. The studies out of Israel of people who had COVID, not pregnant, mind you, who had a second dose, had antibody levels that were similar after the second dose to two doses of the vaccine. So kind of like a booster. So would it be like, for instance, a month after their quarantine period? I think that would be reasonable. And, you know, it's kind of like the interval dose between vaccines. You know, they having the, the illness is a little bit like getting the vaccine in, in the sense of the immunogenic response. So anywhere from you know, three weeks to four months. But I, ideal period would be fairly soon afterwards, so you know, three to four weeks. I was reading an article that looked at the antibody level in pregnant women who either had COVID or had the, the vaccine, and they actually had a better antibody response to the vaccine than to the virus itself. Yeah, and I think that's it's you know a good argument for why to get at least one of the doses. So looking at the graphs of the numbers of individuals infected for the second wave and now the third wave, it's clear that when these stay-at-home measures are lifted, that the numbers will start going back up. What is our best defense against a fourth or a fifth wave? I think there's two parts of it. One is the public health piece. And every country that has lifted restrictions too quickly has run into another wave. And so a much more measured, titrated opening up of the economy and balanced against you know a, a rapid and aggressive vaccine strategy. And I read today that the current rate of vaccinations, which is somewhere between 80,000 and 100 in Ontario, 80% of individuals in the province or adults will be vaccinated by June. And that's sort of the magic number for herd immunity. So I think, you know, really being cautious, opening up the economy. So specifically restaurants, bars, malls, and, you know, even schools uh, until we've got a large proportion of the population vaccinated. And I think that those two things in tandem, if we don't, we definitely run the risk of another wave. And it's just going to be in a younger age group each time. We're not seeing, you know, the illness and the deaths and the over 70 and over 80 in the retirement homes because they've all been vaccinated. This wave of COVID is profoundly different than the first two because, one, the variants of concern, the patients are much sicker. Our ICUs now, well, today, almost 800 in the province, and, and they, the maximum in the first or second wave, I believe, was 380. So it's double what it was before. Uh, so a different epidemic. And it's, it's younger people that are getting sick. And so the next, if there is a third or fourth wave, it's going to be the 20 to 30-year-olds. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, any final thoughts on women who are pregnant or breastfeeding and considering getting the COVID vaccine? I think what I'd like to share is with all you know the professionals that I know and thought leaders like yourself and you know some of our, our academic colleagues across the province, everybody feels very, very passionately and strongly that the benefits are profound and the risks theoretical at best. And so Really, you know, wanting to give informed consent and at the same time really need to dismay any hesitancy and, and get people vaccinated and safe. Yeah, totally agree. Thank you, Mark, for taking the time to talk to us. I want to thank our guest as well as Adelaide Burroughs, who helped to produce this podcast and for those behind the scenes. We'll put links to more information on this and other topics on our website, www.themothersprogram.ca. The Mother's Program is all one word. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for topics or people that we should interview, please use the contact section on the website. Until next time, be safe.